from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. He's an anti-winger. Hates chicken wings. Leave! Because the boomers are out there going, ah, well, you never heard of the flu? We made it through that every single year. I'm a lunatic. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go to Monday. Cofield and Company, Steve Cofield. The company today is John Von Tobel, Ari in our Finley Toyota Studios. Another one of those Mondays, crazy, crazy Monday. Lots going on. We've got news with UNLV coming up. We've got news with VGK coming up. And then obviously the big Aaron Rodgers news, which has developed throughout the afternoon and may have another twist or turn before we get out of here at 6 o'clock. It's Trending at 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, Rogers coming up in five minutes. But news in earlier today, it looks like uh, the Golden Knights could be getting Alec Martinez back. Good. That's a big move, right? Mm-hmm. Was uh, one of the most valuable guys throughout the season. Certainly uh, one of the best defensemen in terms of blocks throughout the year. And he seems to be a good chemistry guy. So it looks like Alec Martinez... According to Frank Zaravelli, who we had a couple weeks ago, NHL Insider, said uh, extension, getting close, could be around $5 million a year on a three-year deal. So, again, lots of moving and shaking with the Golden Knights roster in terms of getting all these guys uh, under the cap. I assume one of the ways of doing that is going to be making a decision on one goal, tender, or the other because uh, you would think they still have plans on adding more at the center position as uh, last year was a big hole in the playoffs. This one could be deemed a shocker if it's true, but it's not really shocking because there's been whispers for a couple of months. So Alec Martinez is back. This is the theme of trending at three. Tate Martell is back in Vegas, and maybe with UNLV, the school is saying nothing. Uh, One source said, uh, Martell's father said, yep, it's going to be UNLV. He's in the transfer portal, and this – was the whisper or whispers around the UNLV program that Martell was around, not saying around UNLV, but just around Vegas now. And as we talked about on Friday, I still think there's a need in the quarterback room for a little more depth. I have no idea what kind of depth Tate Martell would provide. I don't know. Is he going to play quarterback? I assume he has to play quarterback. They don't need a, a developmental receiver. Mm-hmm. They just don't. They're, they're fine at receiver. They've got good young guys. they got some of the guys back. Who missed last year? They've got a six-five uh, potentially impact transfer, at least on you know high point balls uh, from Indiana. No, he's a quarterback. He has to be a quarterback. Well, I mean, in, for, intrigued or angry by this? No, I'm intrigued. Okay. I mean, look, there there was a reason why we can talk about Tate Martell, the person why people don't like him, and all of those things. There was a reason why he got the offers that he did. That he you know flipped commitments and went from place to place like he did. He, he was a wanted commodity. And when you look at the quarterback play of the last few years for UNLV, I agree with you. You, you need some, you know, pop and sizzle at the quarterback position <laughs> sure. that potentially Tate Martell could bring. And especially when you compare it to the level of quarterback play in the Mountain West as a whole, yeah. right? You want to be able to keep up with the offenses that you're going to see out there. So if Tate Martell is anywhere near the quarterback that 
right? Got to Ohio State or Texas State. They got the offers from Texas State. Committed to 12 places. Committed to, yeah, right. You know what I mean? He was a top 10 quarterback coming out of high school. And if he's anywhere near that level still as a quarterback, then it's a good thing for you at LV. Yeah. You roll the dice. And I would assume with as tight a ship as Marcus Arroyo runs that there have been talks. Because the biggest thing is, are you here to do this? Yes. Or is this going to be a fleeting thought and two weeks in you're like, well, this is tough. I've got to compete for the quarterback position. I want out. He's got to get his mind right. It, it obviously has been way off of football for the last couple of years. Right. It, it does see from an outsider's perspective, I think it is fair to say that it looks like if there is the hint, slightest hint of adversity in winning that position, it's all right, I'm out of here. Yeah. And you can't really. Can't like be the case because there's going to be adversity because he's not going to be handed the job because I think they like, you know, yeah. we, uh, we actually talked about this um, a little bit on Friday and back to Mountain West Conference Media Day and. Um, I think it's Broomfield's job to lose. Uh, I think I think they like him mm-hmm. more than Rodgers, but you know I don't have any you know definitive source on that. Uh, but there is an opening there for another, like I said, another quarterback in the room. Uh, no one is 100, percent and no one is a guaranteed star. And like you said, you're gonna have to score points in the Mountain West Conference. And UNLV has a much better roster than they had a year ago. But a lot of it hinges on what's going to happen at quarterback. And he comes in a little behind the eight ball, right? All these guys in for spring, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Like, this is a, this is going to be quite the competition, not only because, like you said, there's going to be guys up there that they already like a little bit more just because they've been with the program, but they've also were here in for spring and getting ready in this system now for a couple of them, right? I.e. Rodgers for now a season and a half. So this is going to be something that is going to be pretty tough for Martel. But, again, I'm with you. You kick the tires. Talent is there. There's a reason why he was as recruited as he was. And if you hit if you hit a home run here, well, then guess what? You're going to be a really competitive offense. Alec Martinez is back. Tate Martell is back, we think. Deshaun Watson is back. Now, this one is a real interesting twist. Did you think he was going to report to camp? Because that's the plan, according to sources, that Deshaun Watson will come to camp. And then I guess... It's open season for trades, but then he's also still under the specter of all these charges, which apparently there's more charges, more uh, victims alleging in the direction of Deshaun Watson. Are you surprised that that's his move to show up? Not entirely, only because in, uh, I got to talk to Michael Lombardi at Visa about this, and it, you know he brought this up. Like This is your best, if you are anybody in Deshaun Watson's camp, if you are Deshaun Watson, this is your best option. You show up and you show that you are ready to play football. Yep. Barring the noise, barring whatever it's going to be, barring what you want as a professional, your best option is to show up and say, I'm here to play quarterback. Show other teams, by the way, right. that you are capable. Of I'm saying, uh, I'm, and from a from the process standpoint, right. I'm saying I did nothing wrong. I'm here to play football. And this is kind of, I was kind of hoping for this because then the ball is both in the Texans court, how they're going to handle it. But more importantly, the NFL's court. What does Raj do? Judge, jury, and executioner, what does he do? And that was one of the things that Michael brought up, which was, to a certain extent, you don't force the hand overall, but you do get it rolling. Like, let's go. So what is the future here? Am I on the commissioner's exempt list? The Texans, I would think, are pushing a little bit on the office, right, the front office of the National Football League and being like, what is the plan? Right? We have a season to get ready for it. Are we getting rid of him or Right? Are you putting him on the exempt list? Will innocent he be until proven guilty or guilty until proven innocent? Correct. Let's start this process. Hmm? Oh, baby! Well, and I'm ready. By the way, and that makes that fascinating for all of this, like, preseason or, excuse me, week one, preseason future, all of these things for the Houston Texans, it makes it even more fascinating. Right? This is a team that's a three-point underdog at home right now to the Jacksonville Jaguars in week one who's slated to only win four games. 
because nobody thinks that they're going to be there. I, I, it's it's from just a purely football perspective. It, it is a really fascinating situation for those for the Texans. Aaron Rodgers is back. We think for how long? We don't know. We'll get to that part of the story. But this thing started to develop on Friday. Fascinating angle as sportsbooks all over the country reacted to the, hey, A-Rodge is going to retire and force the Packers' hands. We'll tell you about what most of the books did in responding to that. But uh, this morning, Ian Rappaport is on NFL Network. This has been such a hotly debated topic. Uh, why is he mad? Is he going to miss the season? Is he going to retire? Will he just come back and play? Does he want to force a trade? Here's Ian Rappaport saying, eh, we knew the answer all along. With the team not willing at all to trade him and Rodgers not retiring because he likes to play football, this has been the expected outcome. So my understanding is Aaron Rodgers has indicated to people close to him that he plans to play for the Packers this year. Okay, he plans to play for the Packers this year, which I think Rappaport was hinting at Maybe something to come later in the day. But here was another part of Rappaport. Again, doubling down on because you noticed this was the expected result, yet we've heard coverage of this from NFL insiders as if there was a grand mystery. But this was the expected result that Aaron Rodgers would show up to play this year. Well, it is news, and it's also the expected outcome really the entire time. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has obviously been frustrated with the organization. We've discussed for really the last several months his lack of trust, his uh, desire to be more involved in the kind of personnel moves that the team makes. All of these things that he has, I would say, pretty clearly expressed his frustration with. Turning down an extension that would have locked him in for many years to come. All of those things. All of those things. So twice he said this was the expected outcome. Man, that was a weird summer then, wasn't it? And that was a weird Friday when all the sportsbooks were like, wait, we think he might retire. We're taking this off the board until we see what the hell is going on. The expected outcome, really? Yeah, I don't think anybody really believed it. That was the expected outcome. And by the way, Adam Schefter, right before the show started, had his own report that said this changed over the weekend, that the Packers were actually heading into the season believing that they weren't going to have Aaron Rodgers. So why did Rappaport say this was the expected outcome? Was that covering for reports in the past? Did anyone find reports in the past where there's some grand mystery, according to Rapp? Per perhaps. And if Rodgers was coming back, retiring, what was he mad about, the money, the respect? Maybe it's commentary on his own thoughts that he has never put out there. I don't know. Okay. But Schefter made it relatively clear in his report, again, depends on who you believe, that the Packers coming into the weekend like made just one desperate heave. We're like, please, Aaron, we'll give you this. We'll give you that. I believe Schefter. So do I. Let me say it again. I believe Schefter. Uh, and I don't think Rappaport knew that this was the expected outcome. I think it developed this weekend. And the development is the news that you know is coming out here basically in the last couple hours this year. It looks like there's an agreement for Rodgers to play this year. And then he's moving on. Uh, listening to the fine fellows who do NFL radio for SiriusXM, they were already addressing it like, hey, this is this is the topic. That's Pat Kerwin leading that show, former NFL uh, personnel guy player. But basically it was, is this stupid for them to commit to just one year and let him walk for the rest of his career? So we'll build on that one. But it does make sense that that's the accord. Because mm -hmm. now how that works out, I mean, what do you think? If you're, if you're now, we're seeing the Packers' futures back on the board. Are you, are you 100% bullish on the Packers for this one year? Like, hey, Rodgers, max effort. Let me win it. Let me reward my teammates, and then I walk. Or if things aren't going well, does this create some kind of problem? You know, a Rodge, one foot out the door, one foot in. 
No, I think they're – look, he's playing. They should be the favorites to win the NFC North. They should be one of the favorites at the top of the odds board to win the Super Bowl. Whether it's fourth, fifth, whatever it is, they're going to be one of the better teams in the National Football League. Yeah. I think it's pretty clear. They're not on the odds board, though, right? The update was, what, the 14-1 to for the title? Uh, that's not top three. Well, no, but, I mean, just one of the top teams in the National Football League. Okay. I think that's, what, top five? Uh, we – we did our rankings for Cofield and Company, and uh, I had him third in the NFL, and I had him third in the NFL last week. So I, I thought he was coming back. I played it like that, but this is an interesting wrench thrown in there that he's going to play just for one more year with the Packers, and there's going to be that speculation. Like I think the notion here is, don't ask us about it the entire year. We're all about football in 2021 and 2022. Don't ask us about it. People are going to ask about it. There's going to be speculation. And by the way, you know, I don't know how much fantasy sports you play. That's like our only real contact with the real sports world. Right. In fantasy sports, like right now, it's baseball trade deadline, right? Mm-hmm. You send messages to people. You're like, don't trade this person until you talk to me. Do you think Gruden and Mayock were like, don't trade him or agree to anything anytime this season with future implications next year on A-Rodge until you talk to us. Of course. Do you think they send messages that early? I think so. You think so? For, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I would. I'd want to plant my flag early on. Right. Right? Uh, by the way, yeah, and to your – they are tied for third at one book with yeah. four other teams. Okay. For, at 14-1. to one. So those are the third best options. Wow, really? Those are the third best Ravens, numbers? 49ers, Rams, Packers, all at 14-1, to one, tied for third. And obviously one, two are the Chiefs and the Bucks. And the Chiefs five to one, Bucks six to one, Bills ten to one, and then you get those. Oh, Bills. So they're tied for fourth. Uh, tied for fourth. Yeah, yeah. yeah, tied for fourth. Okay, I was like, damn, there's not there's no other team in front of them. And the Bills are the Bills are ten to one, huh? With all yeah. that's going on with them. It's a one shot, yeah, ten to one. Wow. Make it well, what what a freaking what a comment, by the way. What a freaking football weekend. What a football weekend. And then the crazy thing is, all that happened on Friday, where you and I addressed it, we got a text from one of our gambling buddies. Uh, in the morning, and I brought it up during the Big Five on Friday about Rogers' retirement rumors. Mm-hmm. So I start making a couple of bets, and then I would say by what eight o'clock that night, we did that at five thirty, eight o'clock, nine o'clock our time that night. Almost every sports book that we know of, not circa, every sports book that we know of pulled the NFC North market off the boards. Mm-hmm. Crazy. I mean, it's pretty early. Crazy. I, I and basing it on retirement rumors, just rumors. Mm-hmm. We'll have lessons throughout the show. These are the times that actually can be advantageous for players to get some angles because you have so many books. Competition's great. And the way they all react can open the door for us. Now it's a future, so they're going to have your money for a while and a lot could change. But I think there's interesting thing to look into throughout the show. All right, coming up, we got to get into well, one of the other big stories of the weekend, and that was Team USA losing to France. Suck! Does this team have any chance at meddling? What the hell is going on? Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Long range. Durant for three. Americans get it back. Trailing by two. Corner three, Holiday. In and out. Now back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Holiday, no, and that will do it. So France has beaten the United States in the first game in Pool A. Final score, 83-76. to 
Well, is anything more indicative of Team USA struggles against France in the scenario where they're down a couple, I think it was, they get three three-point attempts. You heard that at the beginning of the call. That was courtesy of NBC and just what? El Clanco on all of them. The last two were by Durant and Holiday and not even close. And by the way, uh, there are no bounces on those rims. Oh, boy. Right? Oh, boy. They got those things ratcheted on real strong. So Team USA flops down the stretch because they were winning, but they close like hell. They lose to France. Disaster! Minus 400 favor to win the gold as of a couple days ago coming into this. I asked you on Friday about betting France plus 11 and a half. You quickly came back and you said, well, you know, you got it too late. Mm-hmm. You got it too late. They were getting, what, 14 at one point, but they didn't need any of it because they won outright because they closed on a big run. And USA loses in group play. What a nightmare. To a good French team. I don't know if I want to hear it. <laughs> give me, give me, the, give me the Frenchman. Give me the roster. Give uh, the audience the roster to explain it again that this is a good team. I know Evan Fournier, NBA guy at twenty-eight. Uh, Evan Fournier, Rudy Gobert, Frank Nilakina, Nick Batum. Those would be the guys on the roster that you recognize from the NBA, uh, as well as other professional players throughout Europe. It's a really good team. Timothy Lawal Cabro should mention as well, NBA player who played for the Brooklyn Nets, <laughs> TLC, as he is known. They have the potential. I think I told you this, right? They had the potential to be one of the best defensive teams in the tournament. And sure enough, when you can hold the USA to 11 points in the third quarter, when you can play as well as they can, you saw how good they can be. And they also have, by the way, you should mention Evan Fournier, Nick Batum, and Timothy Lowell Cabarrot, as well as a couple of the other guys on this roster, are knockdown three-point shooters. And in the third quarter, what happened, not only did they hold them to 11 points, they hit five three-point shots. So it's... It sucks when they had, I think they had an 18 to 5 run, the Americans did at the start of the fourth quarter. They opened it up. At one point, they led by what, six or seven points in the fourth. It looked like they were going to run away with it again, just like they did to Spain. If you remember the friendly with Spain last Sunday, where they were trailing in the first half, third quarter came out, just ran all over them, opened up a double digit lead, and eventually won by eight. But regardless, this is going to be a team that gets better as the tournament goes along. I think I've been pretty consistent with this. There's no issues in terms of – this is what I find really interesting. So you mentioned the odds, right? They were as high as 550, got to right before the tournament started at some books minus as low, like minus 280, 285. Where right? am I now? Uh, I haven't seen an update. I've, I looked. I haven't looked for a couple of hours, so maybe there isn't an update at this point right now. I'll be now. honest. I actually was kind of rooting for this result in game one. Right. So I could get them at a much lower number, but my guess is the number hasn't gone down. Minus 220, actually. Yeah, it has. But here's the fascinating Ooh, from 400. Okay, right. But this is this is what we need to realize, and this there is some value there on the Americans 100. It doesn't matter. Top two teams make it to the knockout stage. The two mm-hmm. best three teams, third place teams, make it as well. They redraw the teams, so it doesn't matter. All you got to do is move on to the next round. Up next is Iran. Yes, and then after that, and then they play in their next group game. Who else is in their group? If I have Iran. I can't remember who's in their group at the top. I think I want to say it's it's not Japan because that's the women's group. Regardless, oh, it's the Czech Republic. Czech Republic's also in their group. So dangerous. That solid. I don't think they're terrible. Tomas Sedaransky is like the most notable NBA player. Okay, that is there. But regardless, when you look at this from that perspective, for the odds to change like that, even though if they just win their next two games, they're on to the next stage, and it, the loss to France is irrelevant, right? Because now it's just about the redraw and whatever you get. There's some pretty good value on America. I can understand why you're upset about it, but I think you got to take everything. Three of the guys that got minutes in that game were on a plane, right, from the NBA Finals to get there in time to play in that contest. So Zach Levine missed practice time because of a positive COVID test. 
think we should all put a lot of excuses, my friend. Well, it's a lot not of even apologizing, a... or are they just facts? All right, I was going to say I think they're just facts. <laughs> I don't want to freak out about everything. Uh, while you were breaking it down, I just put a sizable amount on Iran plus forty-one. Okay. Will you break that down for me? Well, I don't know. I don't really know Iran's uh, the skill level of Iran's players off the top of my head. I, I am going to admit that, but I am on. Uh, I, I am in on two twenty. I think mm-hmm. I'll do that before the end of the show. Yeah, Czech Republic, Iran, USA, and France. That's the group. So the French chose to be the, the USA lost. So now you just got to beat Iran and the Czech Republic. Now it's not always a given that I have to watch something I bet on, uh, but I would like to watch these games. Now the time is troubling. Mm. Iran. And USA, I think, is at 9.40 at night. That's dope. USA check is at 5 a.m. They're all on Peacock. That could be a problem. I mean, it could. How has your viewing experience been so far? So it hasn't been bad, actually. So for me, for those, and this is actually pretty good for everybody out in Las Vegas, for those who don't know, if you have Cox, you get Peacock for free. What? The premium plus whatever it is. Really? Yeah, you get it for free. You just got to log in with your Cox account, and you get access to all this. You will be able to watch the um, the Olympics and the basketball game. I should get that like with that. Cox Internet, too. I think yeah, that I, would be fair. I don't know if you I'm need I'm saying cable. I should. I have no idea. I I just know that you've got, I have Cox Cable, so I, I just assumed that was the case. Maybe it is an Internet subscription. You should try. Just like what I did was just logged in, and then on the back end, you can look at your subscriptions, and you can put in, hey, if you have Cox, I have this, and then I got access to it. I'm going to try. Um, but my complaint is not about Peacock. My complaint is not about that whatsoever. And like the last night, right, to watch Luka Doncic's performance, I had to ask on Twitter where the game was. It's on CNBC. My complaint, Steve, can I get a schedule in our time? I can't find a schedule for these games at all (laughs) without having to do massive time conversion. What do you mean? You're getting Japanese time? Or yeah, you're not getting East. Eastern it's like time? it's like Greenwich Mean Time, or it's or it's local time, obviously, which is in Tokyo. So the only place that I can get consistent times are actually the sportsbook apps because they'll convert it for me. But I can't go on the website and find a time that is converted to where I'm at by location. It drives me nuts. I'll, I'll deal with Peacock and all the other channels. I did not think that was going to be the problem. No, that's my problem. I, I thought you were going to say you can't find anything no, on these channels. I don't care. I, you know, it's 2021. It's not that hard. My thing is just give me the time and I'll watch it. But don't like I I looked at the FIBA website the other day and it's like plus 1645 local time. And I'm like, I, what does that even mean? How do I convert that? Where do I go from here? Just convert it to my time. That's all I want. What have been the other headlines? That you've been interested in, or what? What else have you watched around the Olympics, or around basketball, around the Olympics in general? I have watched nothing. Really, nothing. I watched a little bit of was it archery because it was on the water polo stuff, but I just why? It, why did both you and I watch the archery of all things to watch? It was on Saturday morning, and I sat there well, for like an hour doing some other stuff, and I was watching the archery. Man, those Koreans are good. <laughs> um, well, part of its availability, right? It was yeah. on in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. What did I see late night? Was that Saturday night? Late night? Water polo? No, I don't think there was water polo. There was some women's beach volleyball, which is always fascinating mm-hmm. for many reasons. Uh, which, by the way, uh, I, did, did, they have, did they have beach handball? I, <laughs> Headline, yeah. Pink offers to cover Norwegian women's beach handball team fine oh, yeah. for not playing in bikinis. Mm-hmm. I guess they're wearing, like, regular soccer shorts? Yeah, they wore shorts in protest. Oh, and really? So, yeah, and so Pink offered to pay the fines good for them 
if that's what they oh, feel they had, comfortable uh, doing. They had like uh, like compression shorts on. Right. Usually the the official uniform is like a bikini, like a speedo type bikini bottom. I'm well aware. Um, I've done my research over the years. It is kind of ridiculous when you think about it. <laughs> While I enjoy watching it a lot, a little bit. <laughs> John mutters a little bit. It is sort of a ridiculous outfit. I'm not trying to be the white knight and ruin everything for all the guys out there, but it does seem absurd. Well, did you see the German Olympic? And I'm very pro pink. Seriously, right. I'm a big fan of uh, Pink the singer. Right. Did you see the German gymnasts? No. Now uh, the females actually wore full length unitards to stand against that right? sexualization. Okay. They look pretty dope too. Yeah, they look cool. I can't. But when it comes to these, these Olympics, who are the guys? By the way, who are the let's say who are the guys and who are the women mm. who are like? Why are we canceling this? Of course. Politically correct. So we're canceling bikini bottoms now, are we? Who's, who's going to step up and fight for it? Oh, there's somebody. <laughs> just, ty- just type it into Twitter. There's some faceless first name bunch of numbers out there that is that is probably getting very upset about something like this. Is that bad that we come out of the first weekend of the Olympics and that's what we're breaking down? Well, it's not our fault. Yeah, it's, mean, it, it, it's hard to find. Some of the stuff is. is hard to find. Um, yeah, and, and I, I think... Well, the men's basketball on Peacock is really – I understand what they're doing, but I think they're overplaying their hand. Right. They're trying to draw because they know that's the most attractive. Like, people want to go and find that for it's the a, most It's part. a good move, but I – there are certain channels or certain apps, I'll say, that I've tried repeatedly to download and, and have attempted, mm-hmm. and it's just not worth the trouble. Yep. So, And from what I hear, that one has had as many troubles as any of the apps – with its menu, its accessibility. So now they're burying the men's basketball on there. I don't know if it's a smart move. The only reason I'm watching is because I know I get it for free. I'm not signing up, Tom. Uh, I am supposed to cover basketball, right? That's my job. I'll watch the tape delays that they broadcast on cable. I'll find them. So we have all this news about A-Rodge being back and Deshaun Watson being back and Alec Martinez could be back with the Golden Knights and Tate Martell could be back in college football, maybe with UNLV, in the midst of all of that, is this college football Armageddon. And I got to say, what I saw over the weekend, people are getting a little bit crazy. Just because the SEC is about to make this big move with Texas and Oklahoma that they've worked on for like six to eight months doesn't mean every other conference out there is going to freak out. We want all the smoke. Tweet at Steve Cofield or call 702-364-1100 and let us have it. Uh, I think this is, um, you know, one of the best, not the best team I've, I've played on. And to come up short is obviously really disappointing. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live from the Finley Toyota Studio. Proud of the way the guys battled. This is a great group. Without the voice of Alec Martinez after the uh, VGK playoff run fell short. Uh, you know, sounded you heard it there. He, he he likes the team. He liked the guys. So it sounds like he may be back in the fold, according to NHL insider Alec Martinez. Check that. Frank Saravelli. Oregon throwing me off. It's a good Oregon, though. Uh, but according to Frank Saravelli, Alec mm-hmm. Martinez could be back. So we'll see if uh, we get some official details on that. Sooner than later, John Von Tobel's here. It's Cofield. It's a Monday. A lot going on in the world of sports. Uh, we just talked about Team USA losing game one of the Olympics to France. They were uh, anywhere between 11.5 and 14-point favorite. I think uh, it was a 12.5-point number on Sunday, but they fell. They flopped at the very end of the game. And, of course, people are flipping out. We'll get to the pop sucks angle 
in the five o'clock hour talking about Greg Popovich. It's his fault already that they're, what are they, two and three now, including the Olympics and the play here in the exhibition games in Vegas. How much did you start to buy into the college football Armageddon realignment? Crazy stuff was coming out Friday night. Uh, the SEC apparently had kicked the tires with Clemson and Ohio State and Michigan and one other big boy and like, they're going to go to 20. And then the the best move by the Big 12 maybe to call the Pac-12, they got to go to 20. Let's calm down. There's a lot going on here. A lot going on here. I don't think we're going to have freaking 20-team conferences. Anything's possible down the road. But the Pac-12 and the Big 10 and the ACC, I don't think are going to go nuts here and just start adding teams left and right. Am I wrong? I, I think it's more of a pot. I think going to like 16 for a couple of them is more of a possibility than you might be alluding to. Oh, no, I think 16 is a possibility. But right. when people are talking about, we got Jay Billis later in the show talking about right. uh, now they need to combine the ACC and the SEC and have 32 teams. And like I said, uh, you know, the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are going to merge to have 20. You're like, well, what are you talking about? So, and and to be clear, too, and I was was listening to a podcast courtesy of CBS Sports, one of their college football podcasts, and it was brought up on there that the, the conferences technically cannot reach out to schools. Schools can reach out to conferences, though, and initiate the conversations. But, like, if I am the Big 10 and Iowa State comes calling – Kansas comes calling, of course, I think I'm going to listen to that and potentially think about adding and, and getting to a point where, yeah, sure, let's try to get the 16 to match that. If I'm a, the ACC and adding a couple of schools as well, a Cincinnati, whatever it may be, yeah, I think that's certainly a possibility. You and I talked about when we were together on Friday. Teams like San Diego State, UNLV, getting in on the back end of the Pac-12, which could become something else. I would agree. Just getting in somewhere. Right, right. And, right. and the scenario, again, we'll, we'll paint the picture for you. If there's four conferences with 16 teams and that's kind of the power for, it's a disaster. But it's a disaster for much of the Big 12, and it's a disaster for the group of five schools that have put a lot of money into their football programs. But do I believe, like you said, that Clemson and the ACC are going to like merge into some monster? No, I do not. I still think there's regional arrogance. Uh, and, and I also, we'll get into it later on. I also believe that academics do matter to some of these schools in terms of their footprint. And they want to align themselves with certain schools. Because mm-hmm. even from a sports standpoint, uh, you know, certain conferences like the Pac-12 is a very proud academic conference. If you just start going rogue and bring in schools that don't care about academics and are going to cheat, you know, beyond cheating, then it kind of hurts your own cause as well. But I guess, you know, people out there listening are like, it's all about money, you moron. It doesn't matter in the end. I, I guess my question is, if you start adding teams to your conference and it's before the end of your TV contract, what does that do you in the short? What does that do for you in the short term? Mm-hmm. Can you go back to a TV network and go, look, 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 look who we added? Uh, the contract, right? Now you split the money more ways. Now we'll talk when the contract's up, but we know we signed a contract. Sorry, that's the money. So, I mean, I'm not good with like. <laughs> I don't know how those contracts work. I don't know. I don't believe that they can renegotiate. I have no clue. Like, I think the SEC would be stuck in whatever deal it is in right now. Now, Texas and Oklahoma have, you know, sent the letter. SEC apparently is, you know, ready to go with them. Uh, but I don't know that just because Texas and Oklahoma maybe comes in earlier, like 23, 24, mm-hmm. that all of a sudden they're getting more yeah. money. I think I just think they're splitting it more, and then they're lining up for mega deals when their contract's up. That's what I would think, right, is you're just divvying up the pot for a short term. You're getting a little bit less in the short term to get more in the long term. Um, but, I mean, look, 
Texas and Oklahoma do have clauses in these deals that they can pay these fees up front and be in the SEC by 2022. So, <laughs> right? So I don't know what the intricacies are of these TV deals. Are there deals at which you could talk about, hey, if we add certain amount of schools, whatever it is, we're up for a renegotiation. I would think, though, it's that, right? Yeah. You can add as many schools as you want. You divvy it up first. And then if you're the Big Ten, you're going, all right, Let's go, buddy. <laughs> now, I think this is interesting. This is the interesting alternative. Instead of freaking out and bringing in schools that really aren't a match for your conference, this is a Braden Gall saying that she's a big-time college football guy uh, in SEC countries, in Nashville. Uh, he said conferences are thinking through the creative mechanisms that they can deploy to add value to their TV contracts without the hurdles of realignment. So as an example, he said a source was saying the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are working on a scheduling alliance mm -hmm. that would allow for both leagues to – sell bigger interconference matchups to their TV partners. And for the Pac-12, it would be awesome because the Pac-12, for many people, you know, in the central and eastern time zones is kind of irrelevant. But all of a sudden, if you have mandated crossover games in both college football and men's college basketball, that helps the Big 12 a lot. And it, it helps the, the Big 10. And it kind of it gives the feel of being a mega conference without having to blow up your whole league and then bring people on board where you're like, does anyone want West Virginia? Mm -hmm. Really? I mean, I feel like, it, but it's somewhat Pac-12-esque to finally agree to something like this, like the Big 12 crossover after OU and Texas leave. Well, a Big 10 crossover, not Big or, 12. Oh, excuse me. Big 10 crossover. Right, sorry, I thought you were going to see Big 12. Yeah, yeah, if it's Big 10, then yes, absolutely. Makes sense. Now, the results not, you know, might not be great on the field for the Pac-12 for some of the lesser schools, but who knows how those match up. Uh, I think the bottom of the I think the bottom of the Big Ten is no 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 better than I, I don't know that the bottom of the Big Ten and the middle of the Big Ten is any better than the bottom and middle of the Pac twelve. Right. Well they would they that's the intricacies of the deal though, right? With the Big Ten the Big Ten, would they be okay with matching up Ohio State versus Utah? Or USC, things like that? Or would they uh would something be in the deal where like, yeah, you know what? Ohio State gets Washington State. I don't know. But regardless, you're right. Like, that would help. It's like the basketball challenges, like you've mentioned before, Big 12 SEC challenge, things like that. It helps get eyes. And I think on football, your question's a legit one, though, because, so like, Ohio State in the running for – well, if, the thing is, if it goes to a 12-team uh, college football playoff, then you can schedule more aggressively. As it's sitting at four right, right now, I'd be like, no, I'm not playing – we're not time. matching up against Org – I mean, they're playing Oregon anyway, but we're not, you know, going to be mandated to match up against one of the best four teams in the Pac-12 – when I'm watching, you know, the SEC play, you know, have one of their weeks as freaking, you know, break week against FCS. Well, and they, see, and that's my big question too, as it stands right now. So when is remind me when is the 12 team supposed to kick in at the end of this TV deal allegedly or yeah. something? So regardless, you know, let's say they go in 2022. How as the college football playoff committee they handle that conference right. where they extend the conference schedule and it's oh and then right you'll get three teams in the in the college football playoff every year because it's SEC well, football. But but the comeback on that is they are going to add Texas and Oklahoma eventually, and then it becomes that much more of a bear in conference if you say you're playing 12 conference games. All right, a little baseball on the way back. There was a trade uh, in the last 24 hours. Adam Frazier goes over to the Padres. Not a blockbuster, but there could be some big deals on the way. We'll uh, ask Dave Koken, our baseball guy, our gambling baseball guy from D.C. and the Sunshine Man, about what he expects here in the next week or so as baseball starts to uh, move and shake with the trades. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company. High fly along the line. Allen creeping over. TK back to Tad. Here's the throw. And he is safe at home. And the Red Sox lead it 5-4. to four. 
Incredible. Like these guys have handled and dealt with adversity. You know, we've dealt with it in this series and bounced back and and I know we'll do it again. I'm embarrassed for the Yankees. Yeah, serious time for the Yankees. They lose three or four. <laughs> Zim back from wherever he is. I'm embarrassed for the Yankees. Oh boy, that was rough. Uh, Dave Koken, you know, gambler first and foremost, but still a Red Sox fan. I'm sure happy about it. What's up, Dave? Well, I, I enjoyed it, um, and that's on Aaron Boone. I, I this knee jerk stuff that managers do. I mean, Herman's at 93 pitches. He's had no stress the entire game. Um, why did he take him out? Because he gave up a double. And the bullpen was awful, and they blew the game. But they did pick up Clay Holmes from the Pirates today, which is really huge. <laughs> Dripping with sarcasm. Uh, what does the addition of Adam Frazier mean for the Padres, and what do you think they have in mind next? I'm sure they'd like to make a deal where they can unload Hosmer. <clears throat> uh, whether they'll, they'll – I, I imagine they can get that done – if they agree to eat a significant portion of the contract. But I I think that's what they would like to do, ideally, is get him out of there. Um, Frazier's a nice pickup. I mean, he's a a real good table setter, and with the power in that lineup, he's definitely a plus, hitting, I would assume, pretty high in the order. And actually, it's a nice deal for next year as well, because assuming the DH exists in the National League, Frazier can play a variety of positions, primarily second base, but he can play elsewhere. And that's going to free them up to use various guys in the DH role, uh, which is, you know, a real nice plus in terms of keeping your lineup fresh. So I, I it, that if you need to make a good deal, just call the Pirates. They're always willing to trade. Dave, uh, would, would Hosmer be involved in any deal for another arm? Because they, they need another arm, right, the San Diego Padres? I think they, everybody can use another arm, and I, I, mm-hmm. I think they'd definitely like to get one. And I would, I would speculate that they will try and work something where they, they pay most of the freight but get Hosmer out of the uh, off the roster because they really don't need him at this point. What do you make uh, of them, the Dodgers, uh, sniffing around Jose Barrios? Yeah, why not? Good pitcher. Um, quality guy, for sure. And would probably love to get out of Minnesota at this point because it's it's been a pretty rough go there. Uh, I think Barrios uh, might – there's two or three guys that are going to be hot commodities this week. We might see one of them in action tonight. Marquez making make the start for the Rockies at Anaheim. And I would think Marquez is a guy who's going to be getting a lot of a lot of interest uh, for the Rockies over the next few days. Dave Kogan's with us. We're talking a little baseball here on a Monday. We'll get to a couple of plays or at least recommended plays or tell me I'm a moron. Don't play that. Uh, you're not surprised by the fact that this story comes out, that uh, there's a report Dodgers players do not want Trevor Bauer back. Yeah, I mean, I, it's all rumor I, for me because I, I obviously don't know anybody involved. But – the buzz was that he wasn't exactly beloved in the Cleveland clubhouse. So I guess uh, I guess it's probably much the same there. He's kind of a weird guy. By the way, the Dodgers do need to add a little bit of depth. And unless you think they're going to survive. They have a lot of quadruple-A guys. You know, they actually just added Billy McKinney. But, my God, Betts is now on the DL. Lux yep. is on the DL. Like, they're getting a little thin in the outfield. I think for the Dodgers, their hope is to get healthy by the time they make the playoffs. Yeah, it's probably going to be as a wild card with all the injuries, but it doesn't matter really. I mean, it's a little tougher road, but all you want to do is get to the playoffs, and anything can happen at that point. Just ask the Montreal Canadiens. 
Um, so I don't think the Dodgers are going to go into panic mode just to try and win the division. And they're in great shape as far as making the playoffs is concerned. Are you freaking out about Bellinger and the way he's been hitting? I can't get healthy. No. And that's been the problem for the Dodgers all year long. They, they just have not been able to field a full team. So you buy your, and yet they're still in great shape. So I, I, I don't see any reason for them to push, uh, to, you know, to go nuts dealing prospects away to try and gain two and a half games on the Giants. Just, just get to the playoffs and hope everybody's healthy by then. If you're the Nats, do you bail? They're eight games out in the division. You go get something for Scherzer, and then you, you try to renegotiate with them to have them come back? I, I think that's exactly what you do. And I, I suspect that's what they're going to try and do. Um, the worry about that, though, is, you know, if Scherzer goes, I don't know, let's just say the, uh, the Padres got Scherzer. Yeah, you get to San Diego, you might not want to go back to Washington. <laughs> and it's got nothing to do with anything yeah. other than the climate. I mean, San Diego is just a great place to live. Uh, no I'm not trying to smear Washington, D.C., but, it's, you know, I've been to both, and San Diego's nicer. Yeah. Uh, that Nelson Cruz deal to Tampa was big, and it shows how aggressive they are when they're in a position to win. But I, I think a big part of it was also blocking some of the other teams around baseball, especially in the American League, the A's, from getting yeah. them. I think the Padres wanted them, too. I don't know why the Padres would have wanted them. Uh, I've seen that, and it's like, yeah. to do what? Uh, to hit once a game? I think because, he played first base. I think he, they they were talking about working him out at first, and someone I saw someone write that he yeah, he taken two ground balls at second. That seems absurd. Okay, yeah, I, I got to tell you something. The fact that he's still as good a hitter as he is at forty is pretty amazing. You start putting him in the field, and that wear and tear is going to catch up in a hurry, and he'll turn into pools. So I don't think you want to do that. So I never considered the Padres to be serious. I think I think Oakland clearly was. And the, the Rays, as is the way that organization goes, beat them to the punch. They are they are absolutely brilliant. Best organization in baseball, uh, considering that they, they have they've got constraints because of where they are. Nobody goes to their games, and yet they field a contender almost every year. And they look like the best team in the American League right now. Uh, last one. Well, could be the Shy Sox because, uh, you know, I don't know if people are paying attention, but Eloy Jimenez is back. Yep. You're talking about a 30-hundred guy, and he's – Back a couple weeks early from that severe injury, he's back in the lineup tonight. Yep, uh, that's a nice lift for them. They're playing good ball anyway. Um, they're gonna I, clearly they're gonna win the division, so it's just a matter of tinkering for them right now in terms of maybe they want to add this or that to make themselves more viable at the playoffs uh, in the playoffs. But I, I mean, they've got as good a shot as anybody right now, and if their pitching is strong come postseason, they're gonna be not, uh, very tough to knock off. Dave, can I take KC plus one ten against Chicago tonight with Miner against Keuchel? Um, I didn't get involved in it. Uh, it was just a no play for me. Not a great spot for the White Sox. Royals had a good weekend, but uh, I don't think you're really getting your money's worth at plus 110. What about Mariners with a new pitcher against Garcia in Houston, 155? He's a pitch-to-contact guy. We'll see how that okay. goes against the Astros. And Garcia's been really good lately for the Astros, but, but that's a very high price. All right, Dave. We appreciate it. Thank you. See ya. There he is. Dave Koch in D.C. and the Sunshine Man podcast goes down on Friday nights. Keep listening. NBA Summer League tickets coming up later in the show. The league goes down from August 8th to the 17th over the Thomas and & Mack and Cox Pavilion. Get your tickets now at UNLVTickets.com. NBA Summer League starting up on the 8th.